Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim LaCoe. Jazz fall tonight to the Grizzlies, 123 to 118. Welcome in. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. We'll get you sound from Coach Hardy coming up here shortly. Uh, Jazz uh, came close, coach, but uh, had a good third quarter to really get back into it. Actually outscored the Grizzlies in the fourth, but uh, still came up a little short. I've said this way too many times this year, but I do believe it's true every time. And it's just that this Jazz team is there made right now. Their margin for error is pretty narrow, particularly against good teams. And when they play well um, and in every facet, they have a chance, as we've seen, to beat good teams. But tonight, um, when you take 20% of your possessions and you throw them to the other team, it's just going to be hard to win no matter what you do. And then they didn't shoot the ball well either. So uh, a couple of areas that just didn't go great, but the fight was there. And um, certainly a game that I thought would get out of hand, particularly after the Clarkson incident. And the Jazz actually fought, as always, to the very end, cut it to five and uh, just couldn't get over the hump. The numbers coach is talking about, obviously, uh, 20 turnovers for the Jazz, including five from Kelly Olenek. And then from three, 10 of 32, 31%. In fact, it's been several games since we've seen the Jazz really shoot the ball well from three. And that certainly is a key component uh, to them winning. Yeah, it's... You know, and the thing that's nice is the ball moves, so everybody gets opportunities. But, um, you know, Beasley was two for nine tonight. um, And, you know, the Jazz have played when they can get a a good number from him. um, But he's been struggling a little bit with his shot lately. And, uh, you know, just go down the list. There's just not, uh, just wasn't a an outpouring outside of Kelly's four for six. And and then he rolls his ankle late, which is another tough deal. Um, That same ankle looked like that he'd, he bothered him before. I I will guess. I am no doctor, but we may not see Kelly for a few games uh, based on how that looked. And, uh, you know, the urgency of rushing players back from injury just isn't there for this Jazz team at the moment. Thus, Colin Sexton really taking some time to make sure he is right before he uh, he returns on a full-time basis. But the Jazz got 21 from Lowry Markin tonight to lead the way. He also had eight rebounds and two block shots. 
19 points for Kelly Olynyk tonight, eight boards for him, five assists uh, to go along with those five turnovers that I mentioned. Jordan Clarkson, before he was asked to leave the game after a flagrant two, 17 points on six of 12 shooting. Um, let's see, 15 from Beasley coming in off the bench, six of 15, as you mentioned, though, did not shoot the three ball well, two of nine. They got 11 from Nikhil Alexander-Walker in 17 minutes. And a double-double from Walker Kessler. 10 points, 11 boards, and 6 block shots. Also, uh, Jared Vanderbilt had 12 tonight to go along with 8 rebounds for him. For the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, they were led by Desmond Bain, who had 24 points and a career-high 9 assists uh, for him tonight. Tyus Jones had 21. Jaron Jackson Jr. had 19 before he fouled out. Dil- uh, Dylan Brooks with uh, 15 points in the win for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they are physical. They are active. And as you and Locke were talking about, Coach, they love to get up and down and play in transition. Yeah, it's constant pressure. It doesn't matter what phase of the game you're in. Um, you know, If you're trying to get a rebound, they're going to put pressure on you physically. Uh, athletically, you're out in the open floor, you better get back. Um, and you always have to have your head on a swivel because they create turnovers uh, tonight, that being a huge issue for the Jazz, the only player that took the court tonight that did not turn the ball over is Rudy Gay. Um, everybody else that played had at least one turnover. Um, and, and, you know, that is a little bit of an outlier, and you've got to give a lot of credit to Memphis and uh, you know for some of those. Best defensive team in the league. That's right. And they do it in so many different ways. They, they, can, they can do it. Um, it's just a you know very well-coached team that has a, a personnel that's suited to the way they play. This is such a dumb take because the trade is so long ago now. But, oh, man, I wish Jonas Valanciunas was still on this Grizzlies team. Oh, my gosh. I know. Can you imagine? It almost be unfair. <laughs> that trade baffled both of us when it happened. I remember the day it happened. We exchanged texts. That was a baffling trade. And, I, I man, he would be a good fit, I think, for what Memphis is doing now on both sides of the ball, really. But uh, you look at Desmond Bain, who's turning into such a, a great player. Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks. I mean, Jaron Jackson, who's a fine defensive player. I mean, this is a, a great defensive team. And uh, Jonas would be perfect. Although, you know, hey, I love me some some Steven Adams. But uh, Valanciunas, a little bit more of the modern center, I would say. But nonetheless, this Grizzlies team is really good. It put together so well. I mean, that's the part of this Jazz team. You know, this is year one of a new uh, of a new direction, and I know people at times they get frustrated as the season goes on um, because you play teams like this that are constructed really well. This team, the Jazz, are they're in the midst of putting it together, and uh, the fact that the Jazz are playing as well as they have this year, and particularly the fact that they've only been blown out a couple games. I'm serious. I I really thought we'd we'd see a lot more of that, but tonight a game that could have got out of hand. Again, the Jazz fight all the way to the end and make it a a game where literally Memphis has to make some free throws or the Jazz have an opportunity to send it overtime. You mentioned the margin fair, which is which is really slim, which I totally agree with, and we, we've been talking about it for a long time. But this team just doesn't get blown out. I mean, another thing we've talked about a lot, they have less than 24 hours turnaround for the game. Um, you know, if you want to look at it this way, they lose an hour going east, uh, travel time, and they still come out and – you know, push maybe the toughest team in the league, you know, to the end. And I know that they did not have job, but they'd also been resting for two uh, two days and have a really good team without John Moran, as they proved last year multiple times. So, you know, this Jazz team is just not going to go away, and I think that's a good sign. Let's get back to Memphis and hear from Coach Hardy. Both teams 
obviously the second quarter got away from us for sure with them hitting seven threes in that quarter. Um, but I think our team dug in in the second half, and they had 17 second chance points in the first half and only seven. Yeah, 17 in the first half and only seven in the second half. And, you know, I thought our team matched the physicality. Um, but ultimately that, that second quarter is where the game was decided. I mean, we won the first quarter, we won the third quarter, and we won the fourth quarter. But, you know, that's the way these NBA games can go sometimes when teams have a, a big burst. And we've been on the wrong end of a couple of those lately. And, you know, they found some threes off offensive rebounds. They found a couple in transition. And that's a very good team we just played. So credit to them. They played well. But uh, I really liked our collective resolve on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, you know, I wish offensively we could have taken care of the ball a little bit better um, for sure. But, you know, our team continues to, to dig in and fight and, um, you know, give a great effort every single night. I think, again, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in the result, but we've had a tough stretch lately and I, I do really feel and our coaching staff feels that we've played more good basketball than bad basketball in that stretch and that's what we have to to maintain is the perspective with our team of of what what's going on and continue to have the right approach every day um, because with 39 games to go a lot can change and those results can start to go in your favor if your approach is good and um, you play the right way on both ends. How much does things change for you when you lose Jordan in the fourth quarter and then you lose Kelly in the final minutes, like your closing game plan? Yeah, that's there's a lot, a lot that changes. Um, you know, it's the second night of a back-to-back, and so we're we're trying to take care of our guys and obviously get out of here as healthy as we can. And you know, the incident with Jordan is that's a part of the games sometimes and um you know so we lost him and that we had to make an adjustment and then obviously kelly was an unfortunate play but again we'll always lean on the fact that we're a team and we've got a lot of good players on our team and everybody's ready to to step up um there's always going to be moments where the team is a little bit undermanned and sometimes you go into the game like that and sometimes it happens in the middle of the game but it's on all of us, the coaches and the players, to just adjust and try to put our best foot forward. Did the I think it was 21 turnovers tonight. Did those feel like they were coming at sort of bad moments, that they were untimely? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first half we had 12, and I thought in the first half we just we didn't do a good job of getting off the ball early. I think a lot of our decisions were made a dribble or two late, and against a very good defense like that, a very you know long and athletic and physical defense they they make you pay if you don't make your decisions early in the clock and that's something we talked a lot about pregame and um you know until you're in the moment it's hard to simulate you know what their defense is going to look and feel like so i thought our team had the right intent but sometimes it was a little bit late like i there may be you know, I've talked all year about dribbling turnovers bother me more than passing turnovers, and um, I think there were some moments where we probably over-dribbled a little bit um, in some of those untimely turnovers, like you said, but 
you know, like that that Kelly one at the end really hurt. I think he made a good move, and then he twists his ankle and goes down, and so he loses the ball. And I, as a coach, I'm not really sure what I'm, you know, what to say to him about that. It's a it's an unfortunate play. So we've been uh, we've been the beneficiaries of some good timing at certain times this year, and so you have to be be willing to accept the moments when the timing doesn't go your way. And again, we have a, a long view with our team right now in terms of like there's 39 games to go and losing hurts in the moment, but we have to maintain our approach and, and try to control what we can control. We've talked a lot this season about Walker's timing and how good it is for being a rookie. I mean, in the first half, I think he had five or six blocks. And he had five in the first yeah. half, yeah. Um, I mean, what more can you say about like what he's actually learned and how good his hands are at this point? Yeah, he's he's very very special in that regard. I've been around um, a lot of young players in the NBA, and I've been around some very very high level bigs in the NBA. I've been spoiled, and his timing and his ability to block shots with both hands, I think, is what makes him so special. You know, some guys are very uh, dominant handed I know that's not technically how you're supposed to say that but you get what I'm trying to say uh and Walker I feel like he blocks just as many shots with his left hand as his right hand and it gives him such an advantage um he also does such a good job of you know when he goes vertical he follows the ball with his eyes and so late he can make a play with his hand some guys just sort of jump vertical and just maintain that vertical position the entire way through the play and um you know we're we're lucky to have Walker in our program and you know I think he's he's developing great he's learning a lot every single day and watching a lot of film and, and trying to get better and better but I think this is the best thing for him in his rookie year is learning on the fly and you know he got almost 24 minutes tonight um, against a really good team and you know I think he'll be able to go back and look at the film and see the things he did well and the things he can do better on both ends of the court um because you know he's he's now played more games in a season than he's ever ever has in his whole life, and so it's about how does he maintain the approach and the mental energy level just as much as the physical energy level. I think when people talk about like the rookie wall, it's it's not just your legs; it's your head. It's it's hard to continue to you know ramp up for the games and prep and uh, dig into all the film stuff. But he's he's done such a good job of taking care of his body and. You know, having that great approach every day, and um, he's got 39 more games. You talk about dribbling turnovers sort of upsetting you more than maybe a passing turnover, and we've talked about transition defense, but transition offense, it seems like sometimes you guys will have turnovers just before you get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Are those ones equally as upsetting? Yeah, I think when you have a numbers advantage, you'd like to see your team generate a good shot. There, there's a difference between um, bad intent and a bad decision, and I've, I haven't felt at all this season like our team is playing selfish or guys are trying to get their own. Uh, I think sometimes our decision-making just hasn't been great or it's been a little bit late. And when you have an advantage, a numbers advantage in transition, a lot of times you have to make that first pass early. And I think, you know, especially tonight, I feel like there were a couple of plays where we just made the pass a little bit late, and then you get caught really close to the basket with a lot of big athletes around you, and it, those moments are hard. So, you know, it's the competitor in me 
you know, you get a little bit upset when we have those plays. But when I go back and, and look at it, you know, I'm really just trying to make sure that our team's intent is correct. Um, you can coach decision making. You can you can try to help guys understand why they need to make certain decisions. But you know, we say before every game, play hard and pass. And I think that our team has maintained that approach through this season so far. All right, there you go. Jazz head coach Will Hardy as the Jazz came up a, a little bit short tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. They lose 123 to 118. With that, we will say good night to our network stations. <clears throat> our next broadcast coming your way Tuesday night back here at Vivint Arena. Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers will be in town. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have more post game sound for you and we'll continue to get Coach Lacombe's thoughts on this one. You are listening. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. to Utah Jazz Basketball. The final horn has sounded. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Jazz postgame, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Postgame brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share markmillersubaru.com. Jazz fall tonight at the Grizzlies, 123 to 118 in Memphis on the second night of a back to back. We'll let you hear from uh, players as soon as they are made available. But uh, this was not necessarily what I call a tough loss from a heartbreaking standpoint, coach. I don't know. How many Jazz fans would have predicted a win in this one? But uh, a tough loss from uh, an effort and closeness, and you could tell the team wanted this one. And that's been, uh, you know, what Coach Hardy said there at the end. I believe, you know, he said they they tell their guys to play hard and, and pass, and I think that that has been a constant. Um, you know, we've certainly remarked about it over the, the the length of the season that this team, you know, regardless of who's out there on the floor, they find a way to get it down to a couple possessions in the fourth quarter. Um, every game's kind of it seems as though it's really up in the balance, and, and only a couple times where they haven't the effort or you know, decision making, everything kind of all together hasn't been great. So uh, definitely, it seems invested. They want to win, and uh, really good, you know, showing of competition tonight by the Jazz to stay in that game. Uh, let's now go back to uh, Memphis and hear from Walker Kessler. Right, blocking shots. Uh, you looked like you had the vision. You had six. Um, you know, I think for, for tonight, just focusing on trying to attack the ball. Um, you know, there's a balance of being vertical, but understanding that one of my best attributes is timing and being able to go towards the ball. So I really focus on that tonight. You know, turnovers in any game, uh, whatever level it may be, can be the difference maker. And tonight, uh, it was physical. They forced the ball out of your hands, and then they run and, and score. Difficult to recover from that. Yeah, you know, it was. Um, you know, some games you're going to have like that, but, you know, I think we did a good job of, you know, trying, trying our best and sticking together regardless of, you know, what happened. 
Is there an issue that is about physicality? You're learning that yourself in this league, but as a team, try to match what what Memphis can put on the floor. You know, I don't think we have an issue with that. Um, you know, I think that we just have to lose this game, but I think the second half we won both quarters. So, you know, just a matter of just winning winning all four quarters. But um, yeah, no, I don't think we have an issue with that. We just got to keep keep going, keep sticking together. How about uh, one more? Cleveland, I know you didn't play, uh, you know, alongside Donovan Mitchell. What do you expect to come home? But the greatest news of all is 11 to 13 at home. Yeah, you know, but thanks to the crowd. I mean, the jazz crowd is unbelievable. Um, you know, I think we have one of the best environments to play in. So really looking forward to that. All right, Walker. There you go. That's Walker Kessler. He had a great night tonight. 23 minutes, 10 points, 11 rebounds, 6 block shots. And honestly, uh, the the game was very different when Walker Kessler played, and I think he played a big part in Memphis not having a great night at the rim. It was just about two weeks ago. I was saying that he was at kind of at that point where, you know, he he was noticing that hey, I've played as many games as I did in college, and I still have that many more to go. Um, and, and I think he hit a wall a little bit. But I've noticed over the last couple nights, you know, the play I called out with Drummond the other night where he really aggressively held him off and and got a went up and got a rebound that was certainly contested that was a new thing you know he had, he had struggled with that part of the game um and then tonight i i just felt like the way he protected the rim was almost gobert like um it reminded me of those spurts in games where teams were like they got out of what they were doing because they just wanted to score on rudy so bad and i felt like early in that game that walker really did his defensive presence kind of helped the jazz control it for a while his timing is really good I mean, he's just got, I don't, you know, uh, Dennis Rodman had the natural nose for the ball uh, on rebounds and timing. Uh, Paul Millsap throw into that. They just, they knew where it was going and, and could time it and grab that for it. I feel like Walker Kessler has that with, with block shots because he, he's really good at going straight up. He's really good at uh, at timing it to where he can get it and not pick up a foul. Yeah, The odds are in so much in his favor when it's just one-on-one and a guy wants to, you know, challenge him. The other piece he has like so at the end of those one-on-ones obviously it comes to where it's a stalemate and they've got to try to get you off your feet or off balance that's where he's amazing he very rarely bites on that stuff he stays down um much like gobert was so disciplined at that the other piece though when he's not guarding the ball and he's coming over from help his ability to sense um you know within the context of a move how to get you know where to be on the floor in, in relation to being able to get to the block but also mind his guy uh, he does a great job of that too so it's timing both on and off the ball he, he does he has a real knack for it only one foul tonight one That's personal foul against a very physical club and you know i'm a little sensitive to uh to watching that because i saw rudy develop obviously and he could not stay on the floor when he was a young player because yeah he'd he'd block a couple of shots and be intimidating and he'd pick up three four fouls in 10 minutes and then that would be that i mean six blocks and one foul really had an impact on the game is is pretty impressive the discipline that you know and that's what he's working on right now it's instilling habits at this level i mean you can instill habits at a level lower than this and i think the game is completely different so he's adjusted to those changes but at the same time he's starting to grow now i'm starting to see him do things he wasn't doing earlier in the year and that's a ton of credit to him and also his coaches Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru in the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. Jazz fall to the Grizzlies tonight, 123 to 118. We'll get you more player sound coming up next. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball.
score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! Jazz postgame. Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. The Jazz fall tonight to the Memphis Grizzlies 123-118. to Post game is brought to you by our friends Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. We're hoping to get you some more player sound here coming up. But, Coach, let's get to the Master of the Glass. Brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass. Proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Tonight, master of the glass we just heard from him we just talked about him walker kessler with 11 rebounds tonight a double double for him 10 points 11 rebounds six block shots for walker but strong team rebounding tonight coach even though they got uh, beat up on the offensive glass a little bit uh memphis only had three offensive rebounds in the second half and the jazz actually ended up winning the rebounding battle 46 to 39 uh on top of walker's 11 boards uh alinek markinen and vanderbilt all had eight rebounds apiece remember that first show we did first night me you mike were sitting here we're, everybody's trying to figure out what the rebuild is going to look like um and we said within a, a lot of losses we're going to have to find some some silver lining some wins and even in a loss tonight, I, I think the wins are what you just brought up. I think the physical nature of this Jazz team, the fact that they kind of stood up to this very physical and tough Memphis team, um, you know, offensively, they they got shots, uh, didn't knock them down, but I loved the fight. So I think uh, the wins tonight, they're rebounding the way they kind of were physical with that team. And then Kessler, you know, his his little spurt in the second quarter out there, uh, or the was it the first quarter? First, first quarter. quarter was amazing. I mean, it, seriously, can you imagine what early in the year him having that impact, kind of an impact on a game? It's pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he has been a bright spot. I wonder, you know, we don't do a ton of speculating on moves on this particular show, but I wonder if if some moves are made that making a little more room for him might be a. Um, I guess a side effect is that uh, maybe kind of what I'm looking for. I mean, I don't. The Jazz will make – if they make moves, they'll make moves to better the team in the long run. I mean, I think that's – that's uh, you know, they'll add picks or, or young players or whatever the case may be. But, you know, if if a big gets moved, maybe a Jared Vanderbilt. Again, I want to be delicate talking about this sort of thing. But uh, making a little room for Walker Kessler to, to have more minutes in a bigger role I think would be a pleasant side effect or byproduct that this Jazz team would take advantage of. I totally agree. I think you, you get two things done. You, you speed up his growth. And already, um, you know, because we, we've watched Doak for the first couple of years as a big guy trying to break into the NBA, and it's hard. So Walker being able to, you know, on a team like this that's, um, you know, hovering around 500 now, two games below, uh, but he's playing impactful. He played 23 minutes tonight and, and got all of that done. So, yeah, just growing him, growing his opportunity is, is kind of a, a result and what it ends up might being a net result, you know, a, a positive net result at the end of the day. Now the thing about Vanderbilt. He has been one of the team's better rebounders this year and is definitely energy and plays defense and had a really good game tonight. 12 points, 8 boards, and 4 assists for uh, for Jared Vanderbilt. I you know, I think everybody gets a little uh when he gets loose in the uh in 
<laughs> in the transition yeah. in the open floor. I think everybody holds their breath a little bit, but there's no doubt he's contributed mightily to this team. And that's the beauty of coaching, you know, because I look at his assist numbers every night and he's got multiple. So, you know, he's a good passer. It's just being able to kind of that one section uh, of the court, you know, Jonathan Tavenari used to have this issue. He would he would be fine until he got into the kind of the Bermuda Triangle and bad things happen. It's just right across half court, a lot of traffic. Um, you're, you know, in uncharted waters yourself as a ball handler. And, you know, you almost have to say, okay, in this particular quadrant, you have to find a guard immediately. I got to admit, I'm a little, uh, if the Jazz are a little jealous of uh, the play Memphis is getting from their bigs, um, uh, even though Steven is, Adams is out. You know, Tillman played 33 minutes. I thought he was tough, nine points, nine boards. Uh, Aldama coming off the bench, I think he's going to be a good player, Coach. 12 points, five boards, uh, a couple of assists from him. So they've got, you know, even without Steven Adams, they've got some guys, I didn't even mention Jaron Jackson Jr., who can get in and mix it up and push around a little bit. Yeah, no Brandon Clark tonight, right? I mean, there's so many guys to help this team. Um, but, again, I my – Biggest, And we saw this two years ago when we were sitting in there watching in an empty arena during COVID. But we said, this young team's got something to them. They, they all cheer for each other. They play the right way. That coach has got a real good way with them. Um, we kind of saw it. And, and Xavier Tillman, you mentioned his name, another four-year guy. You know, played for one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game, and Tom Izzo. But just a, you know, they understand what they want Memphis Grizzly guys to be like, and they go out and draft them. Man, it seems like the Grizzlies have been well run lately, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you, you know, Mike Conley, right down to the the way that they handled him as uh, they made way for John Morant, and it's not easy to part ways with a, a legend and be on good terms. You know, we talked about this. Um, Mike Conley returning to Memphis is—I don't know if it's ever really been. Um, a controversial story, you know. I remember when he first went back there, and there's just nothing but love for him in that town with that franchise. And that's so rare when they move on from one generation to another. I think that says a lot about uh, about them. And then the way that they've they've built around job and pa- patient with Jaron Jackson. I mean, and you mentioned a bunch of their draft success in the pregame. It's just if you're going to be in a small market in the NBA, you've got to be well run. You've got to make those decisions and make them correctly. Yeah, and they and they did. Um, even like last year's pick, I was so intri- intrigued by this. Uh, a guy that I really liked in watching film before the draft was uh, a guy that played in the Mountain West, David Roddy, six five, you know, kind of a do everything guy. One of those guys that really um, could guard one through five if necessary. He, he just throw him out there and he'll give it to you. Um, and I, I went into that draft saying, I wonder who's going to draft that guy and or acquire that guy. And, and of course, first round they go up and, and nobody's really projecting him in the first round, but they they liked him. And and I like Roddy. I think he's kind of got a little Dylan Brooks in him. So we'll see. We'll see how they continue to do. But I, I agree with you. They've knocked it out of the park in their on their moves. They hope he does too, because Dylan Brooks is up for a contract, and that's actually one of the difficult decisions that this franchise has to make going forward. Is now with these young players, 
who are they going to pay? Because I mean, we saw this, you know, with with Rudy and and Donovan Mitchell. Once you start paying the young players what their their market value is, and they get off the rookie scale, things get really delicate. And then you have to make difficult decisions about which which of those young players you want to keep. So, if you can find a, a Roddy on their rookie deal that can give you similar production to what Dylan Brooks does, that makes that decision a little bit easier. Or you go ahead and invest invest big dollars in Dylan Brooks, and then that makes that those difficult decisions even more difficult down the line. You know, when Desmond Bain comes to, they're going to pay him, you know, no question, no, no question, doubt, no doubt about it. So then, then how far do you get into the tax? And as we saw with the previous version of the Jazz, then it really uh, hinders your ability to uh, to get better. Actually, a, a better example of, of that is the the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer Jazz, where they had Andre Karolinko's salary, and uh, again, AK didn't offer himself that deal. It's not not his fault necessarily, but they couldn't make the moves to put themselves on the next level to get past the Lakers because they didn't have the financial flexibility to do so. So, you know, those decisions are tough. Uh, sorry for the, the, the kind of sidetrack there, but they hope Roddy will be that because I would bet in their heart of hearts they don't want to re-sign Dylan Brooks. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think that um, I, I think there actually might be addition by subtraction without him too. And the one thing that's true, if you can keep a solid core uh, and you identified – and rightfully so. I mean, I think Desmond Bain's one of their guys going forward for the long, long term. Um, but I think you identify your core, and then you bring the guys along. And it's what makes a dynasty really hard. Um, but, it, you know, the the real key last year for the Warriors was Wiggins. You know, he, Wiggins kind of really stepped up his game. And, and those guys were around still. And, they, and obviously Steph was still Steph. But you need those other guys to be helpful um, and, yeah, I, I think this team has a lot of really good options as far as personnel is concerned. Postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. Jazz come up short tonight against the Grizzlies, 123-118. to 118. We'll have more for you coming up next. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Jazz Postgame. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz fall tonight to the Grizzlies, 123 to 118. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Uh, coach, we've talked about a lot tonight. Uh, we mentioned Mike Conley going back to, um, where he played so many great years for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, tonight, Mike, man, we, we talk about this a lot, continues to not shoot the ball well. Three of nine, oh, of two from three, seven points, but continues to just set the pace on the assist numbers. Tim, eight assists as he continues to uh, have a career high uh, in that stat category. And of course, he's had a great career. But the Jazz tonight, 29 assists on uh, 45 made field goals. That part of the game seems to be pretty solid still. Play hard and pass, yeah. Um, and and Mike is the orchestrator of that. I think we've said it so many times. He just puts everybody in the right situation, gets the team playing at the right you know tempo and pace, and uh, just can't make 
you know, many shots. He had good looks again tonight, uh, but just is is just that part of his game is just clicking. And um, you know, we've been talking about it all season. So um, I don't know. I I think that it's just a matter of I've said this before. He's getting good looks. I don't think it's it's anything other than just he's missing shots, which is tough. I mean, he's he's been such a good shooter and has such great touch. And I mean, over the years that he's been here, how many te- times have we seen him make teams absolutely pay for going under screens? I mean, it almost used to be automatic, and you kind of wonder if he's going to snap out of, out of snap out of it a little bit. And I would believe that he is from a shooting standpoint. I don't think what we're seeing. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but you know we're talking about guards in their 30s. I don't think what we're seeing is necessarily physical decline. I'm, I'm, I just wonder if he's getting the shots that he got used to in a Quinn Snyder offense, and maybe it just is one of those things where, where he's in a slump. And, and you know, for him, perhaps the feel is different. You know, as you get older, maybe you're not able to create as much distance between you and what you're used to. I don't know. You know, I was never good enough to know. Um, and never aged beyond, you know, 18 playing the game. So I can't, I'm, I'm not a good person to ask. But I think that uh, the one thing we do know, he's shooting 38% from the field this year. And his career shooting is up around 44. So that is one area that we can see. Now his assists are up almost uh, almost two from 5.7 to 7.6. Uh, but it is that shooting right now that's just the only thing that's kind of holding him back from being mike conley were used to it was kind of funny i never thought about it being a coach in college uh you never had to deal with players entering into their 30s and changing physically that was never a thing that you and your coaching staffs had to deal with i'm trying to think if anybody had enough red shirts and all that Uh, yeah maybe at byu maybe you got close but i don't think so we did you know i had to deal with guys losing their hair we had to go through some of that stuff but yeah that was about the only extent of aging that i dealt with a lot of losing the hair. You got some Rogaine chance, and you know it's hard. It's this, hard of, on kids. this of course, is a, a stereotype, and I will apologize uh, in advance. But what is it about LDS missions that brings young people back bald? Stress. Is that what it oh is? It's, it's the it. stress of being out there. Like you're just out there. You, you, you know, one day you're in geometry class, the next day you're in the middle of Guatemala. Because I, I got to <laughs> tell you, I had plenty of high school friends that we we sent them off with. Uh, you know, plenty of hair, and they come back, and it, it's so, like, holy moly. So it wasn't on your watch, is what no, you were saying. it wasn't me. I just was, wasn't sure. Maybe it was something that uh, they were doing out there. Stress, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. You're getting thrown into the middle of downtown San Paulo or whatever and uh, said, hey, go out and preach the word. Yeah, I'll never forget. I, I got to, you know, I went to New England, and first area, that, my first outpost was uh, Newport, Rhode Island. And it just happened to be the middle of June, um, and it's the vacation, you know, spot of the rich and famous. So if you can imagine me standing out there, fresh out of American Fork, Utah, and get people just rollerblading by me with their poodles in their pouches and stuff, and I, I mean, I got to get up the courage to stop somebody and have a chat. Stressful. See, you lose your Stressful. hair. Stressful. Well, you didn't. No, no. Coaching didn't even cost you your hair. So I know this is so nice. You might think it's a wig, but no, this is this is all natural. Not going with the piece, huh? No piece over here. Thank goodness. Whatever happened to Tom Thibodeau didn't uh, happen to you. That guy needs to shorten it. (laughs) Shorten it. Just get rid of the the Coleman. White flag it. 
Yeah, I suppose. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, let's get to your Chick Fil A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick Fil A. Earn rewards with the uh, Chick Fil A One app. Uh, foul shots tonight. Jazz were eighteen of twenty two, eighty one point eight percent. Uh, the Grizzlies were 16 of 22. The Jazz were led by Jared Vanderbilt, who went to the line 10 times, 6 of 10 from the line. In fact, uh, Vanderbilt not only led uh, the team in foul shots, but uh, was the only one to miss a foul shot. So all four of the Jazz misses came from Vanderbilt, but he went to the line 10 times, which is obviously a great number for him. We saw Markinen go to the line 13 times in last night's game, Coach, only four times tonight. And... I mean, it's a kind of a give or take. The one thing we do know about Lowry is his opportunities come from a, a myriad of different ways. So him driving it uh, in isolation isn't the you know isn't it every night? And so uh, some nights he'll get things perhaps a little easier without the opportunity for contact. I don't know. I don't want to say Lowry was out of gas tonight, uh, which which probably had something to do with it. But you know, it's pretty amazing when we're talking about uh, somebody who had eight. An eight of eighteen game, which is by no means awesome, but we're talking about how boy, not an efficient night for Lowry. It just we're a little spoiled with how efficient that guy has been. And and there's there's no doubt about that. I think that that is the the real theme of the season is he, he certainly become this. You know the the expectation now what Lowry can be has certainly changed, but it's his um, it's his efficiency that stands out too. It's his ability to do it on few shots and not having to. You know, call special sets or anything. Just within the way the team's playing, he's going to find his way to get his you know thirty here and get to the line and um, and help the team as best he can win the game. And you want him to take eighteen shots, yeah, you, as many as you can. And which is something I th- I, I think we've heard Hardy, uh, Coach Hardy talk about this a little bit, but something that he has to get used to. He's not used to being the guy taking. You got to get up at least eighteen. Lowry, you know, that's he's still averaging less than 16 shots a game this year. So, you know, it's it's probably a nice thing for a coach staff to encourage a player to shoot more as opposed to put the brakes on a player who's shooting too much. And, you know, to your point about kind of out of gas, I would say if not out of gas, I would imagine most of those guys um, are like me on the way home. I've got to, you know, with as many games in a week, I've got to stop and fill my tank because I have about 40 miles to empty and I don't think we were totally empty but I think we were close 40 miles too empty and the, the guys have been on a crazy streak that was a quick turnaround and I thought they handled it you know minus the turnovers which were part of perhaps uh, Memphis's good defense but I, I thought they handled themselves well and I thought the effort was phenomenal on that short turn I thought you were going to say have to hang your head out the window like a dog because I have to do that sometimes Just after back-to-backs. Yeah, like, oh, oh got to drive home, get, I the, the, get the window I, coming in. I actually, yeah, I, I have a hard time falling asleep. So that me sitting upright driving a car, I don't knock on wood. Not too worried about that. Happen. You also have a significantly longer drive than I do. I do. And listen to rock music very loud. loud. Very loud. Yes. Or the seat heater as high as it'll go, almost <laughs> searing me in the back like a nice steak. That's the routine. All right, post-game is brought to you by Mark Miller's Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some of Sherry Rohn at MySubaruIs.com. Jazz fall tonight to the Grizzlies, 123-118. to 118. We've got your play of the game coming up next, and we'll uh, wrap things up, get you ready for Tuesday's showdown against the Cavs. Stay tuned. You're listening to Utah Jazz basketball. Ronnie Hook blocked it. The final box score is printed. 
Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! 23-22. Kenny Chandler being bothered by Alexander Walker. And Alexander Walker with a little leather larceny. Brings it to the front court. Finds Rudy Gay. Going to the rim. Double clutching and packing it. The 22-year-old Memphis Grizzly Rudy Gay has returned to the building. Here's Desmond Bain the other way at the horn. He misses. Rudy Gay goes into the time capsule. Finds himself the Connecticut Husky drafted by the Grizzlies. Flies through the lane with a double clutching slam dunk. And the Jazz have a one-point lead at the end of one. Lock on with the time capsule reference there. There's your play of the game brought to you by Larry H. Miller dealerships for service sales and selection. LHMauto.com, driven by you. Could have gone a number of different ways. Could have gone with the uh, the DeLorean. Or what, do you remember uh, the, the cartoon, Mr. Peabody and Sherman? Didn't Ooh. they get in an elevator? Yes, of, Mr. Peabody. <laughs> an elevator of some sort? Of course. Yeah, a teleporting elevator. Or didn't the Great Gazoo take the Flintstones in time? I do remember the Great Gazoo. But time capsule, that'll work. Uh, Rudy K. Hey, that was a while ago when he came into the, the lost, league. Though. <laughs> if you're going to go time travel, oh, true. going down that uh, waterfall into the prehistoric world. There you go. Um, we should talk to Locke about his uh, no, I, turning back the clock references. And I will say David Locke, is, he's, a, he's definitely very skilled because the art of that is to make the play way cooler, sound way cooler than it was. And he did. <laughs> he did. He nailed it. He nailed it. All right. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share MarkMillerSubaru.com. Your final Jazz fall to the Grizzlies, 123-118. to The Jazz got 21 points from Lowry Markinen on 8 of 18 shooting. 1 of 4 from 3 at 8 boards. 1 assist, couple of block shots. Uh, 19 tonight from Kelly Olenek. He had 8 rebounds, 5 assists. As well, uh, Olenek did leave this game uh, in the fourth quarter after turning an ankle, so we'll give you an update on him uh, as soon as we get one. Jordan Clarkson, before being ejected for a flagrant two foul against Desmond Bain, he had 17 points on 6 of 12 shooting. Malik Beasley with 15 off the bench. Uh, Alexander Walker. Uh, had 11 Vanderbilt with uh, 12 points and 8 rebounds. And Walker Kessler with a double-double, 10 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 block shots. For the Grizzlies, they got 24 from Desmond Bain on 8 of 18 shooting. He had 9 assists and 6 beat rebounds as well. Tyus Jones had 21. Jaron Jackson Jr. with 19. Uh, Jaron Jackson also had 9 rebounds to go along with that 19 points. Dylan Brooks tonight with 15. And uh, Aldama coming off the bench with 12 points. And five rebounds for the Grizzlies in the win. The Grizzlies shot 45% from the field. They were 15 of 38 from three, 39.5%. The Jazz were 51% from the field, 31.3% from three, 10 of 32. Need to make more of those threes. That might have been the difference tonight. Yeah, that is, we've talked about it. It's, it's one way the Jazz, because they get so many threes and it's part of their game plan. It is a way that they can create some distance um, and perhaps widen that margin for error. But if they don't shoot it well, all bets are off on, on that regard. Yeah, that's tough. And then the transition by baskets, which we've talked a lot about. The Jazz were better keeping the Grizzlies off the offensive glass in the second half. They had 13 total offensive rebounds, only three of those coming in half number two. But 20 turnovers, Coach, 
is uh, is going to be tough most nights. Anytime you turn the ball over 20 times, particularly to the Grizzlies, who are really good in transition, it's going to be a long night. And that is the most difficult transition because, you know, we used to actually do a, a turnover drill. So our guys would just be in a regular scrimmage, but the caveat was we'd blow our whistle, say, 11 seconds left on the shot clock, and they'd just have to drop the ball and sprint back, and the other team, you know, would pick up the ball and sprint. So everything's kind of done uh, as it is in the open floor. And, and most times when a team turns the ball over live, uh, you know, the other team's got such an advantage at racing it up. And, you know, I saw it time after time with that drill. It's why you don't want those live ball turnovers. And the Jazz have been better in transition, I'll give them that. But you, you just almost make it impossible to guard transition when you turn it over. By the way, Sarah Todd of the Jazz News does confirm that uh, Olenek's uh, – Injury is the same ankle that had him sidelined before. So there's some fear out there that he's uh, he re-aggravated that and could be sidelined for a little while. So we don't know the extent of it, but Sarah did confirm that it was the same ankle he injured before. And the bummer for him is he, he took him a while coming back from that ankle to be effective again. He was actually having a nice game tonight. You know, He actually had some numbers, and um, and really that play was one that if the Jazz can make it, they're right there. But uh, just unfortunately caught the ankle and hopefully you know kelly can get that thing figured out and back quickly did you encourage players to wear higher shoes or did you let players kind of wear the ones that they they liked either the three quarters or the low or whatever the case may be i only ask it's a it's a dumb question but the but donovan mitchell always wore kind of the low shoes kelly wears the low shoes and i don't know maybe this is the 90s in me but do you remember those high tops back in the day that came pert near halfway to the knee oh yeah like moon boots yeah it seems like uh gone away from that a little bit yeah it's funny and this may not surprise you it may um but early in coaching career you know the coaches had a lot of input on what shoes were worn and you know as the time has gone on it's become kind of a personal thing um and kind of goes to everybody wants their own brand and all that stuff which starts pretty young so yeah it it got it became one that you just that was a, a battle we just chose not to fight. And I actually kind of get it. You know, you want to play where you're most comfortable, don't want to be restricted, that sort of things. But I, I'd be curious. Maybe we should sick David on this, the numbers guy. But uh, ankle injuries and the evolution of shoes and how that's – because, I mean, you look at some of those old shoes guys used to wear. I mean, full, full high tops. And, and the one thing we did make sure, high top or low top, they wore braces. That was like a, you had to. That was a requirement. Requirement. Interesting stuff, but you hope that uh, that Kelly will be able to uh, to rehab that and get back to being productive. That's tough when you re-aggravate it after uh, coming back from it. That's no fun. Uh, not only did we see Olenek leave the game, but we did see, as we mentioned, Jordan Clarkson, who was ejected for a flagrant two on Desmond Bain. Um, I mean, he meant to do it because you look at the way that he did it. I mean, it was kind of funny that he just kind of nicked the top of his head as he was swinging around. Was it, was, like, it was the darndest thing, but I guess... hand fisted him in the hip, back in the head. And then Jaron Jackson came came at him a little bit. He put his dukes up again. And it's kind of like the old English. It like, definitely is putting up your dukes. You know, the, what's the series now? Oh, it's in old England, and they fight in the streets a lot. I can't remember. Oh, uh... No, the the you know what I'm talking. Yes, about. Yes, I do. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, which is a great show. Put up your dukes, I say. <laughs> and then he was restrained by the referee, and ejected, and then gave a 
psych high five, as we used to call it, to a, a member of the crowd going out. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what Jordan Clarkson was thinking there. I'd be curious to go back and look at the plays previous, whether or not uh, I saw something that happened maybe a couple plays before. There was a lot of chirping from the benches tonight, and I think Sexton and and Horton Tucker were. You know, on one end, kind of. I mean, this is, I think it's the NBA every night. But on the other end, uh, I think Ja got Jordan's ear a, a couple of plays beforehand, and so I don't know if it was like in a reaction to him being yelled at, you know, from the bench, or I have no idea. But he did seem to want to fight right away. He did, he did, and thus putting up his dukes. All right, the Jazz fall tonight, uh, one twenty-three to one eighteen. Uh, Final thoughts on this one, Coach, before we turn the page? I mean, it's sounding old and tired, but I love the fight. Um, I do think that good things are happening in the midst of a bunch of losses. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to be a, a brain, brain surgeon to see that, that Larry Markinen is a number one guy in this league going forward for a long time. And I think we're seeing the seeds of, of other guys, you know, sprouting. So, I think that you know Walker Kessler had a fine game tonight. Um, this was not a game I thought the Jazz would win. In fact, I thought they might get beat pretty good tonight. Well, I did so, too. Just again, hard pass. I, I heard that tonight, uh, and I, I'll stick with what Coach said: play hard and pass. A lot of that, and you know, it's not always going to go well. But I love the way they're they're approaching the season. They they take every game serious and they fight in every game. Big thanks to everybody who helped out with the broadcast tonight. David Lacron, Boone, doing a great job calling all the action. Thanks to our broadcast assistants. Thanks to Mike Smith for dropping by during the pregame show. Thanks to Jamil Hawkins, executive producer of our jazz broadcast. We appreciate all of his fine work. Thanks to Mark Miller Subaru, the title sponsor of the postgame show and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. And, of course, Coach Combe. Uh, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Next up, the Jazz take on Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers here at Vivint Arena on Tuesday night. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. You have been listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.